Abba Yahweh, again this day, Father, new breath in my lungs, up and about in your business, sharing your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Father, to any that have an ear, let them hear and listen to what's said. Into your word, search for you, Father, seek your face. Seek your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Seek the wisdom like that fine treasure. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Paraklitos Aman. So some reading from one of my mentors, and, and this is all going to tie in together. We're going to, I'm going to share with you this first passage in, in the reading, and this is um, <clears throat> my mentor sent me this. Uh, he calls it the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is in keeping with that other that I shared with you. Oh, said it. Oh, it's way up on that shelf. Sorry. But it's the booklet that I shared with you that I'm getting ready to start my classes. And it's the name of the book is called Practicing His Presence. Well, let me share this with you, if I may, and I will. Um, practicing His Presence... And his presence is also that of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's relative and I think it's important to share because there are many, and I've also shared this with you, um, in the quenching of the Spirit. And the Bible talks about that. But it's important in order to practice the hearness of God. I love that word, practicing his hearness. But practicing the presence of God and having God present and being with God is the spirit and talking to God directly. I've shared this with you before and it's very important to know and understand and Paul talks about it. We can find it in Romans 8. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. But following after the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is God's presence. It's the manifestation of his presence for us in different ways. For Mary, we're talking about not Mary Magdalene, we're talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, his earthly mother. And she had some questions, but she was also very much open to the guidance of the Spirit. She didn't know how she was possibly going to be able to have a child. She hadn't even been with her betrothed, her, uh, to, with Joseph. She hadn't even known a man. So she questioned first, but she questioned with an open heart. And that's important. She didn't question and you know, talk about the impossibility and it can't be done and this or that or the other thing. But it's very important that she questioned, but her heart was open to this. 
And what my mentor shares is he, he said that she, uh, he calls it a virgin spirit. Not just the fact that she was a virgin in the earthly sense, in the, in the physical and sexual sense she was because she hadn't been with a man, she hadn't been with anyone. But her spirit was also that, that she hadn't, it hadn't been diluted and polluted by anything of mammon or wickedness or anything. She, her heart was devoted to God and he, the angel came and called her something, called her a handmaiden of God that she was just devoted to the Lord. She was devoted to this and listening and hearing for the guidance of the, of the spirit. And I like what he says here, and I've shared this word with you before, is he looks for the purity of Mary in her pure heart. And he was looking out for her lifestyle and her integrity. That word is important, and I find that there are places that will disguise that, that I was going to go a direction, and I was hesitant, and Father says it's okay, Holy Spirit said it's okay to go. So I had an incident and was asked uh, about integrity. Well, I gave exactly what integrity is. And it could have been the dictionary definition. But for this little board, they didn't like the response because it wasn't integrity as they pictured integrity to be. They wanted the response to be integrity that they could manipulate. But here's the thing, the bottom line is this, integrity means that it is not manipulated and integrity means that you do the right thing always and it doesn't matter if someone is watching or not watching, that you do the right thing, you be the right way, you say the right things, you do the right things. But that response wasn't correct for them because they wanted to be able to manipulate to do. And I, I learned that later on. And I witnessed it, actually, later on in and around other people that they decided had more integrity because they could be manipulated and I watched it happen. But Mary had... Purity of her lifestyle and integrity. And God saw that. She also believed that God was speaking to her. She questioned, but she questioned in the spirit and not out of... Um, she was puzzled. When the angel came and spoke to her and the spirit was on her, she was puzzled, but the spirit was able to 
understand that it wasn't out of uh, arrogance, which many times man will do, or woman, man or woman, will do is they're arrogant. What do you What are you talking about? What do you What do you think? Uh, you know, and they're just very. They're not humble. And I talk about this, that we need to humble ourselves. Peter talks about that in, in 5, 6, or 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Mary knew this. Mary realized it. She realized it when the Spirit came and the angel came and told her what was going to happen. She questioned because she was unsure, but the Spirit and the angel gave her the word. And she was fine. But understand this too. God will send the Holy Spirit to overtake you if you refuse to put him in a box. Don't put God in a box. God doesn't belong in a box. And this is the problem that I've spoken and shared with you before. Is that you have religions that follow ritualistic habits and God comes out when they decide that it's okay to bring God out and let him wander around in the spirit through the congregation when they decide that it's appropriate for their natural and for what they want to do then they let God come out and then when they get ready to do something different that they want to control they put God back in a box That's religion. That's why Jesus spoke against religion. And that's why I speak against religion. And that's why anybody who has the heart of the spirit, heart of a lion and truth will speak against religion. And many people cry out religion. Oh, you religious folks. Well, don't do that because that's putting everybody in the same box. It's just like a lot of the, uh, well, let's go a different direction, shall we? And I know this is gonna wrinkle up some knickers and really twist some knotted, but too bad, so sad. I'm speaking truth. You have the um, you have the community. You have the the pride community. You have the uh, lesbian gay community, and there are individuals. There's some really nice people, really are. But there are some really obnoxious, loud, disrespectful, rude, obnoxious, bigoted. Oh my gosh, good! It, it's it's deplorable. And here's the thing, though. I still pray. I still pray for them because there's a chance of repentance, that they change direction, but it's got to be their choice. But I don't judge them because that's not what the Spirit does. And if you're going to be truthful in the Spirit, then you have to be truthful with everyone and not separate. But here's the thing. There's a lot of them that practice. I'm not saying that they all do that, but I'm saying that there are many that do. They practice that separation and that thing that they cry the loudest about and scream the loudest about and dance the loudest uh, the loudest about and jump up and down and cause all kinds of commotion. They themselves are the very ones who are performing that very act that they gripe and complain about. And that was... Very evident when you had those young ladies who were kicked off the, the team because they wouldn't comply and agree with everyone else's lifestyle. But their lifestyle was had a faith in God. And their faith and their spirit of truth. 
So they were alienated, ostracized, and kicked off the team. And then, if that wasn't enough, then there was the public outcry by those individuals who were being bigoted and pointing their finger at them and crying loudly about it. Then they made a political stance about it. They wanted to make it into something political, which it should never have been. But anyway, let's get away from that negativity. We pray for everyone. We don't exclude anyone from prayer. It's all in prayer and truth. And that's what's important. And my mentor also notes that it's important that we follow in Mary's footsteps and ready for God to work a miracle through the Holy Spirit. And you'll hear me speak frequently about the Spirit because uh, I was talking to God this morning and uh, he approves and I think he likes what I said because he approved it. The wind of change. When I was a younger man, and some years ago, and you'll have some folks that are my age and older, but I, I, I have difficulty in seeing how youngers, people, and, and I'm gonna use that term, the millennials, will have heard or understand when I mention the wind of change. That was a saying that was used some years ago um, and if you were paying attention to things that were going on out and around uh, naturally and you knew how things were um, going with the weather and uh, you just paid attention to things differently. It's, it's not like it is now. And you could tell that things were about to become different. And sometimes it would be brought in by the onset of a, of a wind. Uh, if weather was a certain way, and I, I'd heard my father, my uncle, use the term quite frequently, actually. And I learned, and I, I learned also in paying attention to things that God was showing me out there. And the wind would change directions. And then it would... It wasn't just a, a wasn't just a breeze, and it wasn't an, an environmental thing by uh, topography, hills or anything. It changed direction. That was a wind of change because temperatures were going to change, the weather was going to change, and things were going to be different. The wind of change. And I share that regard to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the wind of change. I shared with you that a number of places in the Bible, and we go back to when Israel was in Egypt, and part of what Moses was telling Pharaoh, and he didn't want to listen. So God brought in, he didn't call it that at that, but I guess you could use that term as well, he used that term when, uh, in speaking about Jonah, when he was supposed to be gone, and 
the Bible says that, and God brought a vehement east wind, means a powerful hot, then the wind coming from the east, it was just, it wasn't pleasant. Um, I would suspect that when God brought that east wind into Egypt and it blew all day and all night and in the morning, the locusts came. The east wind brought the locusts and they ate and devoured everything that the fire and brimstone that Moses called down and God sent. The burning hail when it came down and didn't destroy whatever was left, the locusts ate. And Pharaoh repented. God witnessed. And then he brought the wind of change. The Spirit of God brought the west wind. And it says that the west wind carried the locusts out to the coast and into the sea and beyond. And there was not a locust left on the coast of Egypt anywhere. There was not one locust left. Here's the other thing about the Spirit of God. God doesn't do it halfway. God didn't just blow that west wind and we'll just blow them all out of the big cities and all that and then we'll leave them out there and they'll hop around on the beach and then whatever's left. It didn't work that way. God blew them all off of the coast of Egypt. He blew them out away from everything. Did it thoroughly and completely. Remember this too, though. This is, this is something that you have to remember, and this is dealing with the Holy Spirit. We find this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And remember, it's important that there are going to be those that will, are going to make up violations. They're going to make things up. And that's because the Spirit is contrary in their ideals. And this happened with those young ladies on the sports team. And it happens to the young man that exercised their spirit. And you see what the others do. They declare that there's some kind of a, a franchise violation and they try to bring up violations because these men are kneeling down before a game and they're praying. And after the game, they kneel and they pray. And they tried to make some kind of a declaration when that young man got hurt on the football. He got hurt really bad. And then there was a gathering of the spirit. The gathering of the spirit of truth where members of both teams, and they didn't stay separate. They gathered together. They came together and knelt in prayer for this man's injury. And he was hurt pretty bad. They knelt in prayer and they prayed over him in truth, in spirit. And watching things further about that and, and <laughs> the news the way it is, I, I, I love how the media talks about how they do now. And, and I can remember as it was when I was a young man, there isn't probably rare you're going to find anyone that's truthful in sharing the media, but they tried to make some kind of a, 
a violation that they had performed by praying over this young man who was hurt. It was some sort of a league violation, and it must have been. And why? Because the ideals didn't meet specifications of onlookers and other members of the team and uh, who were, it was, it was kind of ridiculous, but we have to remember that there are always going to be those that are going to make up violations because if you're in the spirit and you're doing the guidance of the spirit, you're following the guidance of the spirit and it's contrary to their ideals, they're going to make up something. But remember that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. There is no violation that you have made as long as you're doing and following that of the Spirit. And you find that in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. There is no violation. They're going to make it up and they're going to try to find something. But if you stay firm in the spirit, you got, there is none. And this is an important thing I've shared with you before. And I tell you that I do it and I will continue to do it. And I won't do it anything different. As we pray in the natural, Satan, along with the spiritual principalities and those of darkness, are able to eavesdrop on our prayers. But praying in the spiritual tongue, it keeps it private. That's not a party line. There are some out there that have no idea what that means. Well, when I was younger, and old enough to get my hands on a telephone and, and kind of understand things, we had a thing called party lines. It was still used. Didn't last very much longer after that, but it was around for a while. When you pick up the phone, you could actually hear somebody talking. And um, it was before the phone companies expanded and you had multiple users. If somebody was engaged in a conversation and you politely hung up and you waited your turn and there was a there was a coding that you could use it there was a there was a number or I think you might have just uh, the phone receiver you bounced it a couple times and it would make a noise on their end letting them know that somebody was trying to make an outgoing call and then what they would do is they would politely interrupt their call and just tell their person that they'd call back or call back shortly. Pick up the phone, you'd hear nobody talking and you would just say thank you and saw this happen a lot. Back in those days, there used to be a lot of politeness, a whole lot more than there is today, sadly, but it's true. Um, They would excuse themselves. They would thank whoever and and then they would make their call and do that. And um, I was called a party line. And I bring that up because when you pray openly and you pray 
straight in the natural, like what, how I'm speaking to you now, everybody and anybody can understand it. And we are told, if you read the book of Ephesians, and talking about the Spirit, and talking about the armor of God, it talks about the Spirit, the principalities, they can intercept your call. But if you pray in the Spirit, the devil doesn't have his heavenly attributes that he used to have. Now, see, here's something you have to remember and know, and if you hadn't heard me talk about it before, I'll remind you, is that Satan used to live in heaven. And remember in Luke, Jesus tells us, he said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. He saw it happen. He saw when Satan was given the boot and he and those minions that followed after what he was trying to do were cast out. His demons are with him. They can understand when I speak openly this way and if I pray to heaven and I make open natural prayers, they can understand what I'm saying. But when I pray in the spirit and I talk to heaven, direct line, there is no party line. They can't understand anything I'm saying. They do not have the ability, the capability to understand or interpret the language that is being spoken. It's like I've shared with you before, the analogy I used was the code talkers. In World War II, they, had the, they started with the Navajo. And when they were speaking their own language, the Japanese forces could not understand. They could not decipher the code and it wasn't a code, it was a language, but they couldn't understand that language. It's the same thing with the principalities of darkness that the Bible talks about. And the same thing talks about Satan. He cannot understand what's being said and it's not a code. There's no code to it. They just can't understand the language. It's not allowed. They lost that ability and capability. And we need to be thankful of the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have to understand it's something that you could, you have to really, because of the change of things, it's um, as he was sharing in his writings, it says, uh, <laughs> and I can remember this prayer when I was a little kid too. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. You know, that, that kind of prayer doesn't work when you start to, to get older and the things that are going on in the world and out there about today, that kind of praying does not work. You have to be a little bit more fervent. You have to be firmer and you have to grab onto things. And one thing that I am so thankful for, I'm glad that God gave me the opportunity and the ability to be in the spirit. And it's important. It is important. Um, as I shared with you already, I, I shared this point, but in the spirit world, there are a lot of things that are being talked about that are um, transmitted, as he puts it. But when we begin to pray in the spirit, we, um, I like the way he terms it on here because I can think about this. I apply this militarily. You have radios and you can adjust frequencies 
And if you have too much traffic on a frequency and you change over to a designated frequency that, that you, it becomes private. And it's the same thing when I drove commercially, you have uh, the CB radio and you have what we call the road channel. You had an emergency channel. And um, if you knew somebody that was riding with you out on the road, um, you would say something, it was kind of a code. You just say, okay, go to that other channel. And they would go to a pre-designated channel number and it would adjust the frequency of the radio for you. And then you could talk to them without interrupting the road channel, which was an important place to be. Um, it wouldn't interrupt the emergency channel and you could talk uh, almost like you're in a room with them and just have a conversation. And then if you had to go back to the emergency channel, the road channel to see what was going on, you just say, stand by, I'll be right back. I'm going over to the road. And then you change the radio frequency. Well, talking to the spirit is kind of like that. If you are praying in the spirit, you switch a frequency so that you have those critters that are out there and those that you're no longer on that mass party line. And as he puts it in his uh, in his booklet, it says we're we're no longer in that where the powers and the principalities are able to intercept and hear what we're saying. But that is also, and I share with you as he does, that it's not meant to discourage you in any way from praying, but you just have to understand that the devil has the capability and will eavesdrop on your prayers and will and does. The Bible tells us that that'll happen. Not in any way, shape or form trying to discourage you from that prayer because it says that we need to pray without ceasing. We need to talk to God all the time. And prayer, understand this, is a just communicating with God. It's just talking to God. There's, it doesn't have to be any, I've shared this with you countless times and I'll keep on doing it. You don't have to throw yourself into a prayer posture to talk to God. Sometimes I will be laying in bed before I even get up to start the day and I just start talking to God. I talk to God sitting here at my uh, study table, my desk. I have conversation with God. But you have to understand something and you have to remember this and the Bible tells us as we are told this in Ephesians that we are in a spiritual warfare and there are those out there that are trying to diminish that or they scoff at it and that's okay and I'm gonna share this with you too. They might not like it but too bad so sad because it's true. Those that do that, they're listening to the devil. The devil tries to get them to think that it's their own idea. And this is, this is part of the wiles of this, of, that Satan uses. He tries to get us to believe that some of those thoughts that we have are our thoughts, that he's actually planting and putting in there and that they will scoff against the spiritual warfare and they try to convince others that there's no such thing and it doesn't happen now and it doesn't do that anymore. And that for some reason they think that because we're so smart with this 
technology. And quite honestly, I see a whole lot of dumbing down going on in society. And we're supposed to be so smart. And the internet is supposed to make us so much more intellectually powerful. Sure, a lot of dumbing down going on. Things that youngsters or younger people, they don't even, have never even heard of. That it was all part of life, part of reality. But because the internet tells them that it doesn't happen anymore, that they believe it. And there are people that are believing that because of technology and time as, as it is, that God doesn't share gifts of the Spirit anymore. That couldn't be any farther from the truth. But praying in the Spirit and being in the Holy Spirit allows us to come to God and Satan is not able to intercept our conversation. Doesn't understand it. Makes him angry, but he can't understand it. And reminder that in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor of God. And we need to pay attention to this. And I'm going to jump over to Ephesians chapter 6. I've got it marked. Bear with me, please. I do have a mark, I promise. In Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about the armor and that we're, we're on, but it's important because it talks about this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Further, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil to in the evil day and having done all to stand. Standing therefore, having your loin girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and, put your, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking on the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watch, watching therefore unto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Paul is writing and telling us that we need to stand up together. We need to be able to stand up and do that. But when we talk to God and we direct our prayers, we should praying always with all in prayer and supplication in the spirit. And we do that because Satan and the 
wily principalities of darkness that are working in connection can't understand what we're saying. But if we pray openly and speak openly as I'm doing now, it can be intercepted, understood, and there can be booby traps or ambushes and things that can be established to waylay whatever you're trying to do. True. And then, of course, there's going to be those out there that are going to say, oh, that's a bunch of baloney, a bunch of baloney. But that's okay. You keep listening to the devil talk to your mind. And I'll pray for you. But what I share with you is true. We are in a spiritual warfare. And I've seen evidence of that too often. But pay attention to what Paul says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication that we pray for everyone. And supplication is that you pray for someone on their behalf and in the spirit. And when you pray in the spirit, it's um, it's like putting on extra armor. And it also tells us in the Bible, Paul writes about speaking in tongues and and things that are done but you have to understand I've shared this with you before and we're going to find this in um, 1 Corinthians 14 actually uh, is where we find Paul talking about this and that we understand that within the in the body, in the church body, if you're in the congregation, that praying outwardly and uh, in tongues and openly, God is not the author of confusion and that that would be done if there was going to be an interpretation and the message that was being spoken was intended for a group or an individual and it could be done to glorify God and then there would be an interpretation. But if you're praying in the spirit and I do when I go to church on Sunday I pray in the spirit I actually had somebody tell me that I shouldn't do that well I still do it and I'm not going to stop doing it because they were trying to quench the spirit because they don't believe in tongues or they don't believe in praying in tongues and they don't believe in it and it bothered them well that's just too bad quite honestly wasn't confrontational about it, but I wasn't going to stop doing it either because they didn't believe in it. And as I told you that there will be those that will, uh, what did I, they will try to create a violation that is non-existent. What I say there, uh, those that will make up violation because the spirit is contrary to their ideals. So the individual's ideal was that he was confused because he didn't understand it, but I wasn't doing it really loud so that the whole congregation heard. I, I might've been a little... But he was, uh, the individual was in a, in a seat pretty close, but then tried to tell me that I shouldn't be doing it. Well, I still do it. And now he sits a few seats away from me and that's okay. And the other people that are around me that hear me, they actually appreciate it. I have a Turkish gentleman and his wife who have heard some of the, the words and actually came and asked me where I learned it. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, well, I heard you speaking Hebrew and Greek, and I heard you speaking my language. He's Turkish. 
I don't know. Never been to Turkey. But he was understanding some of the words. And I told him, I said, that's the spirit. I'm just talking to God. I said, I, I don't, I've never learned any of those. And he thought it was really great because when he hears me pray, it fortifies him. So here's the important thing, though, as I shared with you, this uh, spiritual speaking and praying in the spirit is a direct line to God, but it's not meant to confuse. It's only meant to confuse the enemy that cannot hear and understand what's being said. But you don't do it outwardly and openly so that it confuses the congregation. If you're going to pray in the spirit and you take those words out that you kind of you have to be guarded with, and God knows this. God's painted the Holy Spirit knows it. But it's a fervent prayer. It's an honest prayer. It's an open prayer. And I don't hold any kind of um, animosity toward that individual regarding any of that at all. Um, I just pray for him continually, always. And because... It doesn't fit into their ideals. That mean it shouldn't be mine, and it will always. And just remember that praying in the spirit, it's a direct line to heaven. In Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians fourteen, I'm gonna share with you. Pursue love and desire. <laughs> I'm sorry. Pardon me. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Now, remember that word charity translates to love. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. And that means that you um, remember prophecy isn't foretelling the future. People get that so confused. A prophet is one that speaks directly from God, that God has something important for them to say and will utilize that person to speak directly. That is a prophet. And there are those who are, who do and speak prophecy now. And that they're very, you can tell when they speak that it's different. The authority, you can tell that they are speaking differently. I can. And that's important because it's direct and, and prophecy and, and when, they, when the prophet speaks and especially the prophet um, pastors that get up on the say the, the, lead, the shepherd, the prophet, the angel of the church, those are the prophets of God and they are to edify and uplift the congregation and the body. Anyway, let me continue. For he that speaketh in an unknown language speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. So when you speak in tongues, it's nobody's able to understand it because it's a language that they don't know. And when I pray, and I was speaking in that, that, that man, he knows several other languages, so he knew some of the words that I was saying. I didn't know what I was saying. I had no clue. I had no idea. I was talking to God. But he understood some of them. 
But he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So when you're teaching openly up there on the stage like that, you're, you're lifting up the congregation, you're fortifying them, you're giving them knowledge and things that they understand to follow the word. And he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Paul is saying that he's telling us not to be confusing to the body. And when you speak in tongues, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you realize, and I, I already shared this with you, that God is not the author of confusion. That's Satan. Satan loves confusion. He loves to get everybody all stirred up and agitated about anything and everything. And will oftentimes use individuals to bring the violation that's not there and bring that out and try to get you to understand that, that this doesn't happen anymore and you shouldn't do it. Well, as I've shared with you already, there's nowhere in the Bible that talks about the gifts of the Spirit not being done anymore. But remember that speaking in tongues is a direct line to God. It's not meant for others to understand. It's not meant for anyone else unless he gives it to you to speak outward to the congregation and that there is an interpretation. And the Holy Spirit will only allow you to do that if there is an interpretation and if it's meant for the edification of the body of the church. Holy Spirit knows how to work it. And remember that gifts of the Spirit are important and that you should desire wholeheartedly these things and you desire them. Um, talk about spiritual gifts and hope that the Lord might show himself in that way. But you don't ask for it. You don't really desire it. You just like it when it shows up, but you don't want to do it yourself. But it's, why? And it's okay to ask for it because that's a deeper walk with the Lord. When he shares those things, that's meaning that he's sharing something special with you and wants to bring you in closer and closer and closer. That's a good thing. You have to remember too that praying in the spirit is not for others. That's a direct line between you and God. It's a direct line. There's no, it's not a party line. You're not gonna have anybody interrupting the call or being able to uh, get in and, and sneak in and hear what you're saying. And when you pray in tongues, God edifies you. Um, edifying is to lift you up, to fortify you, to educate you, to teach you. That's what edification means, to instruct and improve. Either by morally or uh, intellectually can pick you up and do that. That's what edification means. And what I try to do whenever I share in God's podcasting. I try to make sure that that's what I'm doing. And I know that sometimes I get yakky. And as uh, a brother has said that I'm verbose. I don't know where he got that idea from. <laughs> anyway, 
It's for the Lord to educate and instruct and teach. It's for our guidance. But one thing that we have to remember too is that uh, Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, and it's very important um, that we include this part in here because this is what some will do. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, specifically. Uh, 38, actually. But if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy. Forbid not to speak with tongues. And as I shared... Uh, let me, I'm going to continue further and go into 40 because this is important, what I just shared. Let all things be done decently and in order because God is not the author of confusion. It's done in order for the edification and that um, speaking in tongues is not for the edification of the whole body. It's for the individual's edification and uplifting. Unless there is interpretation, it's meant for specifically for somebody. And Paul tells us that he wished that we all did that, spoken tongues, but it's important for the strengthening of the body. And I'll remind you again, therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. No one has the authority. There are those who try to claim the, um, declared to be, authoritative and be able to decide well it's not that way if that is god's authority and his only i remember this too and we'll find this i i love this um and i've had one of my other mentors actually in his conversing with other teachers they have decided that romans 8 is probably, and I actually, I, I tend to be along that belief, is that Romans 8 is probably one of the most powerful books and chapters in the Bible. It's very powerful. And I call this, and I noted over here, it's my adoption letter. There are many things in here, and this is also part of what's called, <clears throat> and many teachers call the Roman road. There are many scriptures out of the book of Romans that are very important. And I think that they're very important, as I shared with you, that Paul does, because Rome, the church in Rome, was surrounded. It was surrounded by Rome, Romans. It was surrounded by the Greeks. It was surrounded by um, Jews that had walked away from their, and they were false idols and worshiping and things that they were doing that were contrary to the truth. And they were all coming after the church. Um, so it's important. The Romans is an important book that Paul wrote. Letters are very important that he wrote to Rome. Very important. And Romans 8 is very specific. And it talks just about how the Holy Spirit and it desires in Romans 8, 26 through 27. Um, and it says specifically, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now, infirmities doesn't mean you're sick. 
doesn't mean that you got a broken leg, doesn't mean you have the flu, doesn't mean any infirmities. It's just, um, it's our inability to do things that we normally would do. Uh, for whatever reason, you're, you're unable to complete a task because you don't have the specific knowledge that you need for it, everything. But the Spirit helps in our infirmities. Again, that's not about being sick, not having to go to the hospital, not having the flu, not having a fever. It's not what it means when the infirmities. Helpeth in our infirmities. Helps in our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself manifests, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, which means that we don't normally speak that way. And the Holy Spirit will bring that. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Speaking in tongues and being in the Spirit is direct line with heaven. And remember that infirmities is not having to do with sickness. It's just our inability or we're not capable of being able to produce results that we normally would because we're, we don't have a particular bit of knowledge that we should have regarding something in particular. So without that knowledge, we can't complete a task. Pray about it. I've done that a whole bunch of times. And even following the directions that came with the gizmo, <laughs> wasn't working well. But hear me when I tell you this. God is our good, good father. And I try to, a lot of times I'll try to do it on my own and get into it. That doesn't work out really good, especially when I start making mistakes. Then I become agitated. And uh, God didn't like that. Didn't like to see me that way because he's my good, good father. So I talked to God and I asked for his help. You know what? God's great. God is a great electrician. He's a carpenter. He's a handy guy. Oh, he's a motorcycle mechanic that is unbelievable. God likes to help with stuff. He's our good, good father. He likes to help us. And the Spirit of God comes and he helps with his knowledge. And he knows everything. There's isn't anything that he doesn't know. That's awesome. And like it tells us in the Bible, in Romans 8, 26, for we know not what we should pray for, he does. It's evident likewise the spirit also helpeth our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered we don't know what to say we don't know what to do Paracletus, holy spirit guide my tongue i i don't know what it should be i'm not sure what's wrong with my brother and sister i'm not they're not sharing everything that's there. I don't know what to pray for, but I want to pray for them. I want strength for them. I want peace in their heart. And there's instances where I have that stuff going on where they're right now, there's, I have people that I know specifically. I can mention them by name, but I'm not going to. And I don't know specifically what's going on with them. And I pray that way. I absolutely do. 
Father, I don't know, but you do. And I give it over to God through the Spirit that way. And we have to remember that it's always, it's a, the Holy Spirit is here to help us out. And what's over us has already been made manifest by God. The Holy Spirit is in us and with us and walks with us and guides us. 8, 26 through 27. Very important in that. And I'm going to share this one thing here. I, I found this and then I'm going to let y'all go. We're going to go back to the book of Jude. Which is a very short letter. Actually, there are, it's only got, Jude has only got one chapter, a very short letter. But it's, it's something that's very important. And his letter warns us against Corrupt teachers, deceit, deception, and contrary doctrinal teachings. But it's important for the spirit. And in verse 20 and 21. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude gives us that because there are things that are happening in this day and age, and Jesus tells us to be careful against the deceivers, false doctrines and teachings, and we should guard ourselves against that. Jude gives us that word to do is that we are in the spirit and we stay in that so that we are cautious against the misgivings and the teachings that come from false doctrines and false teachers. And if we pray the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we will be okay. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers. I'm going out and coming in every day. I pray for you. And many of you I don't know personally. Some I do. Mostly I don't. So when I pray, I pray in the Spirit because God knows. And I just, I give it to him that way. I, I don't know what to say. But I pray for your strength. I pray for your guidance. I pray for your to able to be upright, bold, and in his righteousness. And if you need to, that you just accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, just tell him so. Be blessed. Going out and coming in, you're in my prayers.